following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. Would you take a moment and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we ask that you would teach us wisdom, that you would show us what it means as your people to live in wisdom, to grow in a knowledge that seeks after you. Lord, we are your people. Open our hearts to hear your word this morning. In your son Jesus' name, amen. We've been looking at the Proverbs for the past couple of weeks, and Proverbs is such an incredible book because it can connect to so many different areas in our lives. And as I was preparing this final week, it, it was unsurprising to me that the devotions I was writing to go along with this series that have been coming to your inboxes um, for the past two weeks, that this last week was just so soaked on stuff I needed. Okay, Siri. So that we hear about... Um, Let's go back in time, 30 seconds. I was writing these emails. And so what I was seeing and what's annoying as a pastor is how many times you start doing things to help other people and the Lord starts teaching you. And you're just like, no, no, Lord, this is for everyone else. I'm here to write the devotion, not read the devotion, right? I'm here doing it so that other people can get it. Stop telling me. And of course, one of last week's days was pride and humility. And all of you knew that because you've been opening the emails and reading the devotions. But I'm reading this piece and once again, it just hits me. Have you ha ever had that moment where pride goes before the fall is just so tangible? Have you ever had one of those moments where you step in and go, oh, I know what's going on. I know how to solve this problem. I know how this happens. And then immediately fall on your face. I wish I could say, yeah, I have this one moment. I like, couldn't decide. So I just decided to share the idea instead of like my own personal failures. But it is amazing how many times that proverb proves true. And as I was reading that this last week for devotions, and as I was getting ready for this week, there was so much in that that informed what I was gonna be preaching on. Because the temptation as we talk about wisdom is that we're going to gain wisdom to hoard it. That we're going to gain wisdom for ourselves. That we can become more and more and more wise. And then we can look down on everyone else. But the problem with wisdom when you hoard it is it becomes a major issue. There's an incredible scene in Lord of the Rings, which I know all of you are like, yes, pastor's bringing up Lord of the Rings, I'm here. There's probably a half and half, right? Falling asleep, staying awake, we'll see how it goes. But there's this incredible scene in Fellowship of the Rings where Gandalf the Grey, who's this you know, traveling wizard going around, shows up to talk to his buddy, who's the leader of his order, who's Saruman the White. And he's supposed to be this incredibly 
wise wizard. And he's, Gandalf is going to him saying, hey, we got to marshal the forces. We found the one ring. We got to go destroy it. It's time. But what you find out is that Sauron in his wisdom has gained access to a way that he believes he could read the thoughts of the enemy, but instead the enemy has been working on him. And so his wisdom has become tainted, has become sour, has moved from wisdom to folly. And there's this great line where Gandalf just calls him out. When did Sourman the White turn? Our temptation as Christians is to take the book of Proverbs, to read it, to ingest it, and then to hold on to it and say, here we are, and here's everyone else. And what's amazing is the book of Proverbs, one of the key people who helped compile it is Solomon. And Solomon is this great king who is praised for how wise he is. That in fact, when he is asked, Solomon, would you rather have riches or wisdom? He says, wisdom. And he becomes this incredibly wise king that everyone knows is wise. And he is a key step in the destruction of Israel. Because what happens is he ingests all this wisdom, he takes it down, he writes it down, and this isn't the only book in the wisdom literatures that he's a part of. He's also a key piece of Ecclesiastes. So he helps write scripture that we look at as wisdom, yet his downfall is he becomes so wise that he comes to his own destruction because his wisdom looks out to the kingdoms and it says, I need to make alliances. And how is he gonna make alliances? He's gonna marry foreign princesses. And so what he does is he keeps marrying all these foreign women. And then to appease in these treaties, he starts building them temples. Because it's wisdom. Here we can defend Israel. We will have all of these allies. We will be in a safe position. But the promise of God had always been, listen, no, you, you honor me above everyone else. I am in charge and you trust me that I will take care of you. But instead Solomon trusts his own wisdom. And in his own wisdom, he says, if I trust in these things, then we will be protected. And it ends up being the downfall of Israel. And over and over and over again, we see this play out through scripture, that if our wisdom becomes an idol in front of God, it will lead to our own destruction. So how do we live in wisdom? How do we live in such a way where wisdom is a part of who we are, is a gift from God, but it doesn't become our sin, our pride, our folly. Let's take a look at Proverbs chapter two. William, if you can go ahead and throw verse six up and I'll get to this verse here in a second. But verses one through eight, because we started in verse nine this morning and we're gonna look at verse six here in a second. But one through eight are all about asking the Lord to grant wisdom. So in these verses, the writer here is writing and saying, give me wisdom, O Lord. Let me have your wisdom. And in verse six, this is said, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. 
So first, as we look to say, I want wisdom to be a part of who I am. I want to take and ingest the Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, all these wisdom writings. The first place is acknowledging whose wisdom it is. Because the temptation is that as we grow in wisdom, we think, oh, this is mine. I have this. I have this knowledge. I have this understanding. Instead of saying, no, no, the Lord has gifted me with these things. Because the difference between me having it and the Lord having it, the Lord has very specific things he says about the things he gives to us. That he says, listen, when I give you these things, you give them away. I'm here to bless you so you can bless other people. If we start looking and saying, this is mine, well, then we start hoarding. We start saying, here it is. I'm gonna keep this. So the first thing there in verse six, we acknowledge whose it is. Then our reading this morning, verse nine. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. Now it's interesting because here, the Bible is using some, ju- some buzzwords we have in our society today. Justice, equity, righteousness. They get it, right? They're on top of it. So righteousness, justice, and equity. Now this is a direct line that when you understand, you will understand these things. When you have the wisdom, these will come along. Now it's interesting here, the Hebrew word we're looking at for understanding is bene. Now this is interesting because the way that word is used throughout scripture, it's not just understanding, but it's to discern, to perceive. So it's not just the way I understand how an electrical socket works, right? I understand, plug thing in, turn thing on, right? I understand, discerning is what my brother-in-law, Andrew does, who was a submariner, an officer in the submarine corps. And when we start talking about how electricity works, he starts talking and I go, no, no, magic plug, work, make bright. Like, you know, (laughs) that's how it works. But he gets the process, he's pulling it apart. And this is all kinds of places where you can say, there's a difference between knowledge and understanding, where understanding is this blessing. And Bene here tells us that it is discerning or perceiving that it's not just that we will understand righteousness, justice, and equity. We will perceive it. And in fact, what's fascinating about this word, in other places, it's also used to consider with the understanding of saying to care, to consider someone else. So when we see this word used here, that understanding envelops more than just my knowledge. It's about perception, it's about discernment that tells me how I care about these things. That as the wisdom of the Lord sinks in on me, instead of running to my own wisdom, instead of blowing up my own ego, in fact, it will pull me away from that towards righteousness, justice, and equity. Now look at verse 10 and 11. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. In fact, let's read this all together, 10 and 11. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be present to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. 
And I forgot verse 11 here. Understanding will guard you. Sorry, that should be 10 and 11. I'm gonna read 11 one more time. Discretion will watch over. Understanding will guard you. Now this is interesting because here in verse nine, we have understanding. But now understanding's a little bit different in verse 11. Now the word here for understanding is tavun. Now the difference between bene and tavun is a verb and a noun. So in verse 11, when it says, understanding will guard you. How is understanding a noun? Well, let's jump back to 10. For wisdom will come into your heart. The wisdom of God is delivered through the Holy Spirit. The wisdom of God is the Holy Spirit at work in who we are. So when it says, wisdom will come into your heart, that is wisdom personified as the Holy Spirit. In our baptism, wisdom enters into our heart. This morning, like, listen, I wish I could tell you, Matt and I sit down every week and we tear apart every song in preparation going, look at how good this is. We made these good decisions. Like the Holy Spirit just works on Matt's heart and all of a sudden I'm preaching going, man, Matt played that song today. And here's another one of those moments. The first song we sang, that, it's the chorus of the bridge, it's the bridge. The curtain was torn through, we stand before you and mercy is all you speak. So that bridge is all about that moment in the temple as Jesus dies, that this heavy curtain in the temple, think of a curtain like this curtain, not just like a little shower curtain, right? We're talking about a stage curtain on steroids, that this curtain was in the front of the temple. And in that front of the temple, this curtain separated the people from the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant sat and it was said that God dwelt there. And only the priests could go in because there was potential that they would gaze upon the glory of God and die to the point that God, being very pragmatic, had them put bells on the priest's garments. So when they went into the Holy of Holies, they would have a rope tied around their leg. And that seems like, oh, this religious thing. No, that's if they died and the bell stopped ringing, they could go, we lost another one, and pull him out without going into the Holy of Holies. This curtain was the separation that it said God dwells here and we want to fear and love God in such a way we know that even gazing upon his presence could destroy us, right? We know this is historical fact because look what happened in Indiana Jones, <laughs> right? And so there was this idea that if you gaze upon the glory of God, it can destroy you. So much so that often God just passes by and people walk away amazed. And so this holy of holies dwells there, but in Jesus's death, the curtain is torn. And what that is, is that is the Holy Spirit departing the holy of holies and saying, I now live amongst my people. That when Jesus dies, he opens up the spirit to dwell in us. That what used to happen only in the temple now happens wherever the baptized people of God go. And so as we read this proverb here, we realize that even though the original writer may not have fully understood what they were writing, we can read it and say, when it says that wisdom will enter our hearts and knowledge will be pleasant to our soul, 
and that discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. This proverb is the promise of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. That the Spirit guards us. The Spirit watches over us. That wisdom has become not just gaining wisdom, but it has been now transformed into listening to the work of the Spirit in our lives. Living in wisdom, then, is transformed from trying to find the wisest path to saying, Lord, show me your ways. May your spirit lead me and guide me. It's taking the words of scripture and saying, Lord, I want these real in my life. And this is what Paul would write to the church in Corinth. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. The good news that comes to us from the book of Proverbs is that it is full of wisdom. And some of it is as simple as, don't say stupid things when you're angry. Some of it is as complex as wisdom will guard you. Discretion will protect you. Understanding will watch over you. But it is because of what Jesus has done for us, he became the wisdom of God. And this chapter in 1 Corinthians is the point where it says, for we preach Christ crucified. a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Because the wisdom of God is greater than the wisdom of man. When we encounter wisdom, when we dive into scriptures, when we look at wisdom in our lives, there is so much we can be granted as we read the book of Proverbs for everyday living. Like I said, when I was writing these devotions, I'm reading the Proverbs first and I'm going, this is so impactful first for me. It's changing me that the word of God is doing what it's supposed to do. But the major reason is because Jesus became the wisdom of God for us because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem wise that a bunch of people who are rebelling against their God should deserve salvation. Yet the wisdom of God is so much greater than what we could have expected. And so what we receive is salvation, which seems like foolishness, but is now wisdom because everything in the world is telling us, earn it, earn it, earn it, earn it. You just got to do a little bit more. You just got to be a little bit better. And what God says is, no, he did it. And what I love is when you're God, you get to say, and that is wisdom. As we rebel, even against that idea, God goes, no, 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 no. Rejoice that this is the wisdom. Because you see, we as a people cannot receive the Holy Spirit when we are at war with God. When our sin separated us from who he was. But when Jesus goes to the cross for us, when he steps in our place, when the Lord looks at us and all he sees is the sacrifice, we are now made whole. 
that in our baptism, when John the Baptist looks and says, one who is coming who will baptize you with fire, he's speaking of the fire of the Holy Spirit, which says this now will be poured upon you. That the Spirit, the wisdom of God, will protect you, will guard you, will watch over you. What I would love to do now is start a whole new sermon for the next 30 minutes and talk about how is the Holy Spirit working in your life but you'll just have to keep coming back to Narrative Church. Because here's the good news. The foolishness of God is our wisdom. That he would send his son for us. That we could rejoice in that good news. And then what that does is the curtain is torn. The spirit dwells in us through our baptism. And what we learn is that daily we are saints struggling with sin. But that Holy Spirit is there going, but not that. We're the kids reaching for the hot stove, right? Nah, 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 this could be hot. Sometimes we burn ourselves, but we slow down and we start listening to that wisdom of God. And when we ingest this wisdom from the Proverbs into our lives, we start discovering how the Holy Spirit is at work guarding us, protecting us, working in us. And the joy too, is that we get to look back. Because if you notice here in Corinthians, it says, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. The joy of sanctification, the joy of that wisdom at work is that we get to say, I'm different than I was yesterday. Tomorrow, I'll be different than I was today. That God doesn't leave us where we are. Instead, his wisdom, his spirit works so that we may bene, we may understand, we may know, we may discern righteousness, justice, and equity and live as people who give wisdom away for the sake of the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks that you did not leave us alone. That wisdom was not just about sitting down and ingesting sayings for life, but instead wisdom is a verb acted out, given to us by your son, and it is a noun, your spirit at work in our lives, guarding us, protecting us, calling us to more. May we learn over and over the greatest wisdom ever given to us is Jesus. That his death and resurrection calls us to new life. A new life where we live in a place where we discern and we perceive, we care about justice, about righteousness, about equity, not because it's anything else than it's the way of God. It's the way you have called us to live, the way you created us to live. And Lord, may the good news of Jesus wash over us again and again and again so that wisdom, the Holy Spirit in our lives will guard us, will protect us as we seek after your ways. We pray this all in your son, Jesus' name. Amen.